And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, <laughs> listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. <laughs> I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of The Aldridge Family, starring Bobby Ellis from 1952. Then, Mercedes McCambridge stars in an action-packed police adventure on Gangbusters from 1946. Well, it's time now for the conclusion to The Aldridge Family. Let's go back to September 28, 1952, for the conclusion to the bodybuilding course on The Aldrich Family. The only thing is, Homer, my thigh was 27, too. You mean my thigh is as big as my chest? It is. Wait, Homer, I don't want to mislead anyone. Listen, Henry, what is it you're sending for? Nothing, Homer. Gee whiz, why would I... Do you know whether Nancy Adams has a class here next period? Sure. I thought you were ignoring her. I am. That's why I'm waiting to return this book. When I hand it to her, it's going to end everything. Let me see that letter, just for a second, will you, Henry? Homer, don't you see what's printed right at the top of it? Strictly confidential. What does that question at the bottom mean? What question? Do you have flat feet? Now, <laughs> <laughs> listen, Homer, that just shows how your imagination works. Well, what did it say then? Keep quiet, Homer. Miss Watson just came into the room. Miss Watson? Well, boys, you certainly look busy. We, we are, Miss Watson. You working on your biology? Well, in a way we are. Well, now, isn't that fine? You know we're going to start working on mice next week. We are? On mice? <laughs> yes, we're going to compare their development with that of man. What's that? Come on, Henry. That's the end of the period. There's a class coming in. Hello, Henry. What are you doing in here? Well, well, Nancy, I've been waiting. I've been, I've been filling out. I, I, I've been... Henry, you're getting ink all over yourself. I am? Here's a blotter. Um, well, Nancy, I... I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed this book. Oh, I'm awfully glad you returned it, Henry, because Bill Turner is anxious to get it. He is? Are you sure you're through with it? Oh, yeah. After all, even if I weren't through with it, naturally, if Bill wants the book... Where have you been for the last week? Just around. Just around every place. Hey, Henry, come on. You go ahead, Homer. I may be held up here a second. Why, please? Oh, you'd better go, Henry. I just wanted to tell you, though, how much I enjoyed your book. Henry Aldrich. Don't you have a class this period? Yes, Miss Watson. I'm on my way right this minute. Goodbye, Henry. Goodbye. Boy, is Nancy a good-looking girl, Henry. You think she's so good-looking? I think she's terrific. Well, the way I think of her, she's good-looking, but I wouldn't ever want to... Henry, let me have a look at that letter, will you? What letter? About your flat feet. Now, Homer, listen. (laughs) Homer. Homer, where is that letter? I haven't got it. Homer, I put it in this Latin book. Put it right here in the ablative absolute section. Well, don't look at me. I didn't even touch your letter. You suppose I put it in Nancy's book? You did? Well, why would she be interested in your flat feet? Oh, I didn't know I put them there. I mean, the letter there. 
I was just talking to her, and I may have just stuck it in there. Well, Homer, I've got to get that letter. Why? I think I want a thing like that to be read publicly by Nancy. Well, you certainly can't get it now, Henry. Maybe they haven't started class yet. Well, I'm not going in with you. I don't want the whole class to look at me. You quiet, Homer. I'm going back in and get that letter. Will you all get your pencils, please? I beg your pardon, Henry Aldrich. Is there something we can do for you? Why, uh, Miss Watson, I'm sorry to interrupt your lesson like this, but I just returned Nancy to a book. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, the Nancy's desk has something in it I'd like to want. I mean, me. Well, is it anything you can't do without for the rest of the period? Well, yes, ma'am. I just have to have it. Well, if it won't take more than a second, you may go to her desk and get it. Thank you, Miss Watson. In the meantime, will all of you be copying what's written on the board here? <laughs> Nancy. Henry, what on earth is it you want? I'd like to borrow that book again. Henry, you didn't have to come all the way back into class and embarrass me. But I just happened to remember. I, I haven't finished it. I thought you said you had finished. What did I until I got out in the Henry, hall? Henry, will you hurry, please? Yes, Miss Watson. Sure, Thanks very much. Uh, Henry, may I ask what book that is? This book I just got from Nancy? Yes. Well, it's... It's just the book. What is the title? <laughs> Rita's Revenge. <laughs> and that is the book you were in so much of a hurry to get? Well, I'll tell you, it isn't the story I'm so anxious yeah, to get. the book, please. The whole book? The whole book. <laughs> Couldn't I take just one look? Please don't open it. No? May I have it, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And I should like to see Nancy Adams immediately after class. Miss Watson, Henry, she... will you please leave this classroom? Yes, Miss Watson. I'll go. <laughs> Henry has decided that he needs a course in physical development. And after filling out the rather intimate questions on the application blank, he discovers that he has left the blank in a book belonging to Nancy Adams. The scene opens in Henry's school at the close of a period. Listen, Henry, this will make two classes I've missed just because of you. Homer, all you have to do is just walk up to Miss Watson's desk there, pick up Nancy's book, and walk out with it. It's as easy as pie. Are you sure Miss Watson isn't in there? No one's in there. There isn't a soul in there now. You like pie. Why don't you go in and get it? <laughs> well, gee whiz, Homer, I was going to stand here in the doorway and keep watch for you. Well... If anyone does come along, Henry, give me a signal. Clear your throat. Sure, I'll, I'll sort of cough. Okay, I'll go. That's it. Just walk right up as though you own the place. Which book is it? The one your hand is on. This isn't it. Sure it is. Isn't that book blue? Sure, but it's uh, the advanced essence of poetry. It must be there, Homer. Well, come here and show it to me. All right. Wait a second. I'll close the door part way. Here it would be here. Homer, I'm almost positive Miss Watson didn't take it with her. All right, show it to me. Gee whiz, it's a book with a blue cover. A blue cover? Oh, this must be it. Yes, Miss Watson. Henry, someone's out in the hall. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Quick, Homer, duck. Have you got it? Well, we dug it down here beside her desk. Did they come in, Henry? No, they just closed the door. Well, come on. Let's get out of here. Not so fast, Homer. Wait until they've gone down the hall. But, Henry, I've got to get to my next class. Quiet. Open the door easy. I'm going to. I must be stuck. Let me try. Henry, 
This is all your fault. Now, don't get panicky, Homer. We'll get it open. Oh, it's locked. You're crazy. Why would anybody lock a door in broad daylight? All we have to do is throw ourselves against it. Okay. One, two, three. Don't you stand there, Homer? Help me up. I guess they locked it all right. You mean we're locked in? And I can't get to solid geometry? Well, at least they didn't see us, Homer. But, Henry, I'm weak in geometry as it is. Well, well, all we have to do is climb out that window. But what good will that do? We're way up on the third floor. Homer, stop arguing. Give me that book and let's go. Nancy, could you take these keys down to the main office, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And, Nancy, if you're quite sure you won't let this book interfere with your studies anymore, you may have it. Yes, Miss Watson. I'm sorry you let Henry Aldrich have it. After all, he has much more important things to attend to than Rita's revenge. Yes, Miss Watson. He's a very nice boy, Nancy. At least he has his good points. But I do wish you'd become more interested in someone who takes things just a bit more seriously than Henry does. Yes, Miss Watson. Be careful, Homer. Do you want to knock me off this fire escape? Well, gee whiz, Henry, we have to get all of them here somehow. Don't you realize this fire escape goes right past all the second floor classrooms? It never goes below the second floor? Well, keep quiet, Henry. Suppose somebody should see us out here. Let's close the window. Now, quiet now, Henry. I'm being quiet. That's it. Make all the noise you can. Homer, all we have to do now is go up the fire escape to the roof. And then I suppose we just jump off. It's bound to lead to something, Homer. Come on. Have you got Nancy's book? Sure. Here, take it. Is my letter in it? I don't know. Hey, Homer. What? This isn't Nancy's book. She was, this is Miss Watson's report book. A report book? What made you think my letter would be inside this? You said blue, so I grabbed blue. <laughs> but you should have looked, Homer. Boy, if we get caught with this, we could even, we could even be expelled. Just for having a report book? Sure. Well, you can be the one that takes it back, Henry. All we have to do is open the window and be sure no one's in there, Henry. No one's in there. She whiz. Lift, Henry. I am lifting, Homer. Move back so I can get some leverage. What's the matter, Henry? Are you weak? Well, gee whiz, maybe I do need... Wouldn't you think I could at least open a window when it's an emergency? Boy, you're really in a fix. You've got Miss Watson's reports and Nancy's got your measurements. Sure. And probably by this time Nancy's read the whole thing. Come on, Homer, we've got to get off this fire escape. Boys! Boys, what are you doing up there? Who is it, Henry? What are you doing up there? It's Mr. Bradley. He's down in the courtyard. Boy! Why, we just kind of open a window, Mr. Bradley. Don't you know the rules about going out on the fire escape? Are there any special rules, Mr. Bradley? What are your names? Henry. Aldridge. Oh! Homer! Brown. Oh? Henry and Homer. Aldrich and Brown? Huh. Yes, sir. Come <laughs> now, then fire escape and report to my office at once. Yes, sir. How would you like to have us get there, Mr. Bradley? Any way you can. <laughs> the only trouble is, Mr. Bradley. What's that? Nothing. We'll get down. Uh-huh. And how long have you been a student in this school, young man? 
About three years, Mr. Bradley. And this other young man? About three and a half, Mr. Bradley. But that was on account of the mumps right on top of the measles. I see. And you both know those fire escapes were placed there for emergency use only? Well, the fact is, Mr. Bradley... It wasn't enough that you were out on a fire escape. You climbed in a window and broke right into the middle of Professor Vanderhoff's French class. Well, you see, Mr. Bradley, it was the only way we could get off the fire escape. Professor Vanderhoff's window was open and... Homer, must you lean on my desk? No, sir, excuse me. I thought you were through with us. I don't know whatever gave you that impression. Excuse me, but can I interrupt you, Mr. Bradley? You're Bill Turner, aren't you? Uh, Yes, I'm the one that carried three men over our goal Saturday. And what were you sent in here for? Well, I suppose I shouldn't have been reading this book during study hour, Mr. Bradley. What's the title? Rita's Revenge. (laughs) Rita's Revenge. I see. <clears throat> Henry. Yes, Mr. Bradley. What do you think of a boy who would spend his time reading a book like that? Well, I guess it's pretty bad, Mr. Bradley. That's what I say. I see. Do you know what I think all three of you boys need? No, sir. Suppose you wait here, all of you, while I step out and get your record. Yes, sir. Bill, where did you get that book? From Nancy. And what business is it of yours? Listen, Bill, could I borrow it a second? Nancy's book? All I want to do is take it for just one second. What for? I just want to... I just want to... Can't you even let me look at it? Keep your hands off. Let me have that. Keep away, do you hear me? Hey, Henry, look at what fell out of it. There's your letter right on the floor. Gee whiz. Bill Turner, you take your foot off that. You make me. You hear me? Take your foot off that letter. Henry, somebody's coming. I don't care. Mr. Bradley, Miss Watson asked me... Henry. Hello, Nancy. Close the door. Let go of my leg, Aldrich. You lift your leg, do you hear me? Lift it. Boy, stop it. <laughs> lift his leg, Henry. I need more leverage. Hey, Bill, cut out. You're twisting my head. Yeah? Bill, turn you stop that. Darn you, Bill. There. Henry. Gee, Henry, you knocked him out. Oh, boy. You lifted him right off the floor. He's all right, Henry. Pick him up before Mr. Bradley comes in. Come on, Homer. Let's lift him under the couch. Oh. Listen, Aldrich, what did you hit me with? I just used my bare hands. Didn't I, Nancy? Now then, young man. Turner, did anyone invite you to lie down on that couch? <laughs> no, Mr. Bradley. I'll help him up, Mr. Bradley. Don't you think he can get up himself? Well, I'm up. Well, young lady? Oh, uh... Miss Watson asked me to bring her keys down here. I'll take them in one moment. Turner, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend a part of each lunch hour for the next ten days picking up the papers in the corridors of this building. (laughs) On all three floors. On all three floors. And as for... Oh, how did Miss Watson's report book get here on my desk? On your desk, Mr. Bradley? Nancy, would you see that she gets it back? Yes, sir. Now then, Aldrich and Brown. Yes, Mr. Bradley? Yes, Mr. Bradley? I'm sending you to the gym instructor. He needs a couple of huskies like you two to help him move the steel lockers. Move them? Yes, Henry. <laughs> Aren't there quite a few, Mr. Bradley? There are 350. It will take every afternoon for the next two weeks. Gee whiz! That's all right, Homer. You heard what Mr. Bradley said. They need a couple of huskies like you and me. Aldrich, what's that you're tearing up? Nothing. It's just sort of a letter I've decided I won't need anymore. Well, gee. Well, gee. 
Gary Aldrich, look at that window. That's what I mean, Nancy. No matter what I touch these days, it crumbles right in my hands. <laughs> the Aldrich family is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Johnny Fiedler. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. Your announcer is Dick Dudley. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with the Aldridge family. Good night, everybody. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That's the Aldridge family from September 28, 1952, starring Bobby Ellis with Dan Seymour announcing is heard on NBC. That's called the Bodybuilding Course. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's Gangbusters. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360, and it's time now for Gangbusters. This was a government drama. It was created by Phillips H. Lord in 1935, and it was known as the only national program that brings you authentic police case histories. It dramatized FBI closed cases in close association with the Bureau director, J. Edgar Hoover. Now, the opening of each show began with a barrage of loud sound effects, a shrill police whistle, convicts marching, police sirens, machine guns firing, tires squealing, which led to the popular catchphrase, coming on like gangbusters. It aired on radio until 1957, and there was a TV version, which was hosted for a time by Chester Morris, who played Boston Blackie in the movies. All right, it's time now for Gangbusters from May 11, 1946. This stars Mercedes McCambridge in The Battle of Alcatraz. Here's part one now of Gangbusters. And now, Gangbusters! Gangbusters, presented in cooperation with police and federal law enforcement departments throughout the United States. The only national program that brings you authentic police case histories. against Alcatraz, seventh circle of hell, where 200 devilish minds seize with but a single thought, where a lifetime is not too long to plot, but at which honest men can look and safely say, leave every hope behind, ye who enter here. Now, tonight's gangbusters case. A special presentation. Inside facts, dramatized for the first time... On the Battle of Alcatraz. Just one week ago, the law-abiding citizens of America, slowly recovering from four long years of war, were shocked to hear of a new battle on a 12-acre island in San Francisco Bay. The Battle of Alcatraz. Alcatraz. So named in 1775 by the Spanish settlers of California, Isla de Alcatraces, the island of the Pelican, a heap of rocks jutting up into the Golden Gate mile and a half northeast of San Francisco's famous waterfront district. For nearly 100 years, the island of the Pelicans has been a prison. First, as disciplinary barracks for military offenders of the United States Army. For the last 13 years, 
the place of confinement selected by the United States Department of Justice for discipline, segregation, punishment of the most desperate and hopelessly incorrigible criminals. For 280 convicts, the rock is the last stop before hell. Last week, there was trouble on the rock. Five dead, 16 wounded. Was the revolt of the nation's most desperate criminals spontaneous? Was it the result of a moment's opportunity, or was it the result of years of meticulous planning? Four years ago, in the summer of 1942, at another federal penitentiary on McNeil Island in the state of Washington, a veteran convict, a notorious dealer in accurate grapevine information, walked up to a guard who was on duty in the prison kitchen. That's the first portion of Gangbusters. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to Gangbusters. You better get back to slicing those apples, Tom. Yeah, sure, but... Can I say a word to you, mister? Okay. What is it? Hey, look. I got the dope. You're up for a transfer to Alcatraz. You're going to be a guard on the rock. So what? You're headed for trouble. What gives you that idea? I wouldn't be telling you, except you've been a pretty square guy with us cards. Or maybe I can do you a favor. Don't take the job on the rock, mister. No? Why not? Don't take it, that's all. There'll be a big break there. Maybe a long time coming, but when it does, it'll be a regular massacre. A massacre? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. A massacre on the rock? Impossible. Alcatraz is escape-proof. Silence at all times in the cell house. Cell bars of tool-proof alloys. Photoelectric cells that detect even the smallest pin. Machine guns. Concrete walls. A 20-foot cyclone fence topped with barbed wire. Then the water. A mile of treacherous tidal currents, you see. Alcatraz is escape-proof. What makes you think so, bud? Let me tell you something. That con up at McNeil Island has the right dope. Yeah, he ought to get a knife between the ribs for cracking his yet. Shut up, will you? I'm telling this guy something. Okay, okay. See this big building right next to the water? We figure once we get out and take care of the tower gardens, we'll have our pick of the boats at the dock. Oh, you're wasting your time. No one escapes from Alcatraz. You couldn't even begin. Wasting our time, huh? We got lots of it to waste. What's time? And where could we begin? Show him the handkerchief. Yeah. Yeah, here it is. See that handkerchief? That little rag. That's what we'll use to crank out of Alcatraz. That's what'll whip your machine guns and the steel bars and the electric eyes. We'll tie a knot in the handkerchief. We'll use it to reach through the bars and pick up a pair of pliers from a workman's kit. Oh, it'll take time, lots of time. But we got plenty of time. And with the pliers, we loosen some plumbing. And when we get ready to use the pipes, we put them all together with the pliers. And we got a nice little gadget that spreads bars like they was paper. Also a nice little gadget to bump some guards over the skull. Okay. But here's how we got it figured. You see, this big cell house has four cell blocks. A, B, C, and D running the whole length of the building. 
Now, the only guy with guns is a guard that walks in what they call a gun gallery. And this gun gallery runs across the end of the cell house. It's really a catwalk stuck on the end of the building, but separated from the cell tiers by iron bars. Well, this guard walks back and forth in the gun gallery looking things over. We take care of this guard. Sitting pretty. Don't forget about the gun. Yeah. This guard is always carrying a rifle and a sweet little forty-five automatic. Now, Bernie Coy and another con got the job sweeping up the corridors between the cell block and the gun gallery. Once in a while, Coy manages to climb up and give the bars to the gun gallery a little spread so they can squeeze through. And the idea is, get the guns and stick up the floor guards who got no guns. And it's all set. I guess it's around two in the afternoon that they're going to squeeze through and lay for this guard. It was a tight squeeze, Coy. I didn't think you'd make it. I did, didn't I? Boy, if I'd been waiting for this. As soon as the guard passes, I'll grab him, slug him, and I'll grab his guns. Shh, he's coming. Now. Hey, slug him, right? I'll get the cell block keys and let you other guys out. You got him? Got the keys? I got the keys. Hey, get his guns, too. I'm going to make it all right. I'll let Tretz and you other guys out. Okay, come on. Shut up, you guys. Shut up. Okay, we'll get the key to the outside door. Tell me how quick the thing's cooked, I say. All right. Kind of them with God having a key to let us outside the cell house. Okay, he didn't. We got his guns and we got a fighting chance. Well, I ain't giving up. Me neither. Okay. All right, would you? How do we wake it? All right. Make some noise so you and the other guards will come run and they won't expect nothing. Yeah, one of them ought to have the outside keys. A dozen or more dangerous criminals now have the appetizer to their meal of freedom. They are out of their cells and armed. But without the keys to the outside door, their chances of full freedom are hopeless, and they know it. In the meantime, the four o'clock shift of guards is in a locker room in the same building adjacent to the troubled Celsius. Changing into their uniforms, about to go on duty... These relief guards who carry no guns have no idea that a score or more desperate convicts are free and armed on the other side of a heavy steel door. Hold it, fellas. Huh? Quiet. Just a minute. What's up, Harry? Shh. Hear that noise through the door? Yeah. From the cell blocks. Yeah. Come on. Let's have a look. All right. Yeah. I'll get the door. It's quieted down. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Hey, look. It's first cell. It's empty. Hey, watch it. Watch it. They're loose. Right into the cell. Oh, they got me again. All right, the rest of you. I'm dead. Open that cell door, Coy. Okay. See if those guards got the keys. All you guys start searching them. They all look dead. Well, search them. If we're getting out, we need those keys. Hey, here's one still kicking. Let me add in. 
Hey, you. Give me the keys to the outside. I have no keys. Oh, you haven't, huh? That's for not having the keys, and this is for nothing. Hey, Chris. Yeah? The other guys ain't got no keys either. Huh? Oh, looks like we're cooked, guys. Maybe we've got a quarter quits. Well, what do the rest of you guys say? No, oh, no, no quits. Okay, we fight it out. We can't get out one way, we'll take the other, right? Well, I'm with you, Quitz. Head up, boy, who else? Help me okay. in. Okay. Let's think this out a little. From the warden, United States Penitentiary, Alcatraz Island, to the United States Navy, Coast Guard, and San Francisco Police Department, serious trouble has broken out. Convicts are armed and at large in the cell house. I have issued a riot call and placed armed guards at strategic locations. Most of our officers are imprisoned in the cell house. 3.18 p.m. San Francisco Naval Base. Subject, Alcatraz Riot. One, dispatch immediately one company U.S. Marines to assist Warden, United States Penitentiary, Alcatraz Island. Two, assign all available patrol craft to surround and maintain constant vigilance, Alcatraz Island. Signed, Commandant, 12th Naval District. All Thursday night, May 2nd, the traces of the attackers and the ping of bullets of the besieged streak the sky over the Golden Gate. The battle rages without let-up. Residents of San Francisco lined the waterfront to see firsthand what they had heard in the special broadcasts and in the papers. People throng in fascination, for death is the label on each of the bullets which line the sky in blood red. On the great Golden Gate Bridge, a sailor and his girl edge to the railing. Those red streaks. Fireworks? Those are the bullets, baby. Tracer bullets. Gee, there are a lot of them. I don't understand it. If they haven't got a chance, what are those convicts fighting for? I don't know, baby. They probably figure they'll get electrocuted or something anyhow, so maybe they'd rather do it this way. I wonder who they are. Not very nice to know. I guarantee you that. You know, I feel kind of sorry for them. Well, anyway, all those tracer bullets and everything... It's pretty. Yes, young lady, very pretty. And who are the men, those prisoners of other men, decent men? Who are those convicts trying to blast their way to a freedom that could mean nothing but more violence, more bloodshed? Those men for whom you feel kind of sorry. Listen. Those are Paul Kretzer, murder. They also rob banks, 15 or 16. I forget which. Myra and Edgar Thompson. I killed a cop. Morris Franklin Harbin. Me, I shot a cop too. Kidnapped another one. Bernard Paul Coy. I'm on the rock for robbing the bank. This is my fourth time over. Lawrence Card, murderer, kidnapper. Sam Shockley, kidnapper, bank robber, escape artist. Those are six of the men. Six of the ringleaders. Six. Desperate killers. In a moment, you'll learn how they came to be inmates of the Rock. The list of 280 Alcatraz convicts recalls murder, bank robbery, kidnapping with each name. High up the list, 
And the murderer of Alcatraz guard, William H. Miller, stands... Joseph Paul Kretzer. Alcatraz, number 548. Wanted on warrants, charging more than a dozen bank robberies, Kretzer and a woman companion sped through the streets of Michigan City, Indiana, on the early morning of June 7th, 1939. Get cut. Aren't you going to make a run for it? Me? Run from the cops? <laughs> You're not going to let them take you. Watch. Give me that gun. I get it. Here he comes. Let's go, Ben. Right. You think you killed him? I don't know, and I don't care. But every cop we meet is going to learn the same thing. Joe Crutcher's one guy, they're never going to stop. The Federal Bureau of Investigation traced Kretzer through acquaintances of this gun mall to an apartment on Chicago's north side and arrested him. He was sent to McNeil Island Penitentiary for 25 years. A year or so later, he escaped, but was recaptured. With his accomplice, Kretzer was in the anteroom of federal court in Tacoma, awaiting trial for escape. Be here for us in a minute, Kyle. Yeah, Kretzer? Look, I ain't going back to no solitary. Yeah? There'll be two of them. You take one and I'll take the other. Go for the guns. Hey, look, Kretzer, that's suicide. I'm so not... what? It's better than rotting away the rest of your life. Okay, I'm with you. Shh, shh, shh. They're coming. All right, Kretzer. All right, let's go. Okay, okay, don't rush it. Now! What are you going They've got no guns. All right, let's go. Right! and his companion got only to the end of the corridor. There they were subdued by other federal officers. The United States Marshal, struck down by Kretzer, was killed by a blow to the head. Thus, Joseph Paul Kretzer came to Alcatraz for life or murder. Bernard Paul Coy, number 415. I'm Coy. I'm a bank robber who didn't like being caught. They sent me to Leavenworth for 25 years. They expect me to sit down and wait those 25 years. I showed those guys I was too tough for Leavenworth. Thus, Bernard Paul Coy came to Alcatraz. Marvin Franklin Hubbard, number 645. I'm Hubbard. I broke out of prison three times in Oklahoma and Idaho. The last time a cop tried to stop us near Chattanooga, Tennessee. Instead of the cop taking us in, we took the cop along. Then we ran into a bunch of cops. I shot one, but they nabbed us. Thus, Marvin Franklin Hubbard came to Alcatraz. Myron Edgar Thompson, number 729. I'm Thompson. I killed a cop, I kidnapped three people, and I broke out of jail eight times. You ever hear of Blackie Thompson? Well, he was a Texas bad man. He was my brother, see Cops at Amarillo got him. I hate Amarillo cops. Yes, Myron Thompson claimed Blackie Thompson as his brother and swore vengeance on the Amarillo police. About a year ago, shortly after his last jailbreak, Thompson and a companion were driving toward Amarillo. See that curve right ahead there? Yeah, what about it, Thompson? 
Right there is where my brother Blackie Thompson was killed by the Amarillo cops. Yeah. Yeah. He shot the tires off his car. He jumped out, but the cops mowed him down. He had 30 slugs in him. Laying right there. I hate cops. But I hate Amarillo cops most. And one of them's in for the surprise of his life. He's a cop, all right. An Amarillo cop. You just keep going. We'll walk right up to him. Just a moment, you two. Oh, you speaking to us? You strangers here in Amarillo, aren't you? All right, sure. This your car? Well, we borrowed it from a friend. It's got stolen plates on it. Oh, it has? Turn around. (laughs) I got no gun. We'll see about that. Hey, see, I, I told you. Yeah. You'll have to go up to headquarters anyway. Answer a few questions. Okay. Anything you say. Headquarters only up about three blocks. Uh, Amarillo seems to be a pretty good little town. Yeah, there's nice folks in this town. This like... is a pistol in your ribs, copper. Where'd you get that gun? I got it, that's all. And I hate Amarillo cops. I got the wheel. Good. I'll shove him out, Cotton. Look, he dumped him right in front of the police station. Hey, I thought he searched you. Yeah, he did. He didn't find that pistol. Go on, give it the gas. Yeah. Well, Amarillo cop kills Blackie. And I kill an Amarillo cop. A short time later, Myron Edgar Thompson kidnapped a young woman and two servants and transported them across the New Mexico state line where he was apprehended. Thus, Myron Edgar Thompson came to Alcatraz. Those are the ringleaders, the desperate criminals who control most of the inside of Alcatraz's impregnable cell house, armed with a variety of weapons. Two hundred odd prisoners not participating in the revolt are herded into the prison yard under the guard of the machine guns of the United States Marines. Navy and Coast Guard boats patrol the island. Join the Navy and see the world. Yeah, and look at us. We circle Alcatraz so many times, I'm dizzy already. And you'd think those cons would have better sense. They know they ain't got a chance. Yeah, they remind me of the Japs, in a way. Yeah? Oh, there they go again. Oh, look at them traces. Take my word for it, I'm glad I'm not up on that rock. I had enough people shooting at me the last four years. Thursday night, 7.35 p.m. Prisoners continue to hold possession. Two guards wounded in attempt to storm stronghold. Friday, 4.35 a.m. Special load of fragmentation bombs and other modern warfare equipment arrives in Alcatraz Island from Benesis Arsenal. Guards launch vigorous assault. By mid-morning on Friday, the entrenched convicts are still holding out. The order is given to drill holes in the roof of the cell house over cell block D, built as escape-proof, but conversely, proving attack-proof. 
Through the roof, Alcatraz guards and Pacific veterans of the United States Marine Corps drop hand grenades. Getting pretty hot, boys. Yeah, I told you we shouldn't go through. Yeah, this is better than the electric chair. You can say that again, Kretzer. Hey, outside the window. Got a bead on him. Good shot. Hey, that grenade was close. So close. The battle continues with varying intensity all Friday night. But Saturday morning dawns quietly over Alcatraz. The lull continues. It is deathly still. Shortly after noon, Saturday, May 4th, it is decided to storm the bastion. Armed guards, some flown in from Leavenworth and McNeil Island. Volunteers from San Quentin approach a steel door. None knows what inferno awaits him on the other side of that steel door. Open it up. Right. And they start shooting, men. Jump for cover. Okay. Let's go. Guns ready. There's one. Flop. He's not moving. I'll crawl up to him. Kretzer. He's dead. There's two more dead. Hey, guards! We surrender! We give up! We give up! We give up! We surrender! We surrender! Quiet, all of you. All right, march out of here with your hands over your head. And then when you try the trick, you'll get shot. Now, come out. Thus ends the Battle of Alcatraz. Casualties. Five dead. Sixteen seriously wounded. The dead, William H. Miller, guard. Lieutenant Harold P. Stites, guard. Joseph Paul Kretzer, convict. Bernard Paul Coy, convict. Marvin Franklin Hubbard, convict. At least three other convicts face execution on charges of murder. A week later, Alcatraz Island, an establishment of the United States government for the confinement and punishment of the most dangerous criminals, with no attempt at rehabilitation, is quiet. Gangbusters is a Phillips H. Lord production. And that's Gangbusters from May 11, 1946, with the Battle of Alcatraz, starring Mercedes McCambridge. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break, then it's more of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, John Daner stars as the man called Paladin on Have Gun, Will Travel. Then it's part one of Fibber McGee and Molly from 1942. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you next time.